hello and welcome to the HA Book Club. I'm Summer O'Toole. I'm a romance author and I'm here with my best friend, Kelsey. Hello, everybody. And Megan from Otherworld of My Own on Book Talk and Instagram. Hi. We are so excited to dive into all things Rich Rich Men, aka The Billionaire Trope. book did I read? (laughs) (laughs) I've been in, I've been in my, I just was at 20% this morning. Um, so I've been in it like up until five minutes ago. So my brain is still adjusting to like the real world. So I read Ruthless Creatures, which is book one in the Queens and Monsters series. And it is by JT Geisinger. I read Terms and Conditions, Dreamland Billionaires book, and it is by Lauren Asher. I read the Filthy Rich American series because it makes more sense in a series by Nikki Sloan. So before we dive into all that, let's talk about our weekly hots. I was listening to some of y'all's podcasts and I don't necessarily know that this would be considered like a hot, but since I am 31 years old, this is hot for me. My husband was on a like week long business trip and I had gotten in my head that I wanted to redo our bedroom. So I had like this like (laughs) giant canopy bed delivered and I needed new lights all of a sudden. And I, you know, purchased all of these items and when he got home Friday night, he was like, so I guess like we have a big project this weekend. And I was like, yeah, you know, not expecting him to really like get to it anytime soon because like he was gone all week. And Saturday, he not only set up all of my lights, all of my bed, but he was so enthusiastic about it. I was like, oh my God, do you love it? And he's like, I love it. It is so amazing. <laughs> like he was like stoked about it. I honestly don't know if that's because like he was gone for a week and he was like, I need to get in them panties. Like this is going to get me (laughs) straight to where I need to be. But that was, I mean, it worked. I was like, this is 31 because this swoon. (laughs) That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's perfect. That's like all those thirst traps on TikTok that are just like guys like, putting down the toilet seat or closing the cupboards. <laughs> the bare minimum. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the bare so minimum, but, but somehow it works. Yeah. <laughs> My weekly hot was also kind of a, a sweet-ish moment. The other n- night we were at dinner with my mother-in-law and her friend and my partner was there too. <laughs> just out to dinner with my mother-in-law but something came up and me and Gabby like diffused the situation and her friend looked to us and she was like you know if if me and my husband communicated like that we wouldn't be divorced (laughs) yes so quite the compliment that That is a compliment so I think it was a couple weeks ago that Summer and I were having a conversation of like what in books do we think that we maybe want to like bring into our own life, like into our own bedrooms, into our relationships, et cetera. 
And we spoke about a specific kink that I am not going to mention on here because I'm not going to out myself like that. However, we spoke about a specific kink. And last night when I was having my sexy time, it kind of like came to life. And there wasn't even a huge conversation about it. It just like happened. And in my brain, I was like, like, I thought this was going to be a good kink for me, but like, for sure, like new kink unlocked in this moment in time. Like we need to do this again. ASAP. I am so disappointed. I don't remember this conversation. I don't know what the kink is. <laughs> well, we will have to, we'll have to, I don't know. I'll, I'll jog your memory later on. Okay. <laughs> I love manifesting good sex scenarios. Yes, I'm for it. I feel like I should do it more often because, I mean, look at this one that just came to fruition here. Do I start thinking about reverse harems? Is that what I'm manifesting? Billionaire romance? (laughs) Please. I've been on that one for a while, though, and I don't think it's come, hasn't come up yet. (laughs) But you do have a potential sugar daddy. That is true. That is definitely true. He's still around. We're we're figuring it. We're figuring it out. Oh, I was telling Summer though, Megan, not that you know this, but like billionaire romances is like how I literally got into the romance genre like 10 years ago. Like that was it. It was like that was the only thing that was free on Kindle Unlimited at the time. Or like even just Kindle. Like before you even had to buy Kindle Unlimited to get free books, it was just like billionaire romances and I was like this is my future like how do I (laughs) how do I get this to be my reality uh I wish (laughs) amen amen (laughs) well speaking of billionaire romances the trope is called billionaire but I feel like you know there's a big difference in numbers between a hundred millionaire and a billionaire technically but in the book world, they just sort of kind of like blended together. And when I was texting Christy from Read Between the Vines, because I needed a dark billionaire romance, because we all know that I've tried to do the, the cutesy and it's not in my wheelhouse right now. And I didn't have time to read a book and then find out it wasn't a billionaire romance. So of course I asked her. And she, I said, is the ruthless creatures like in that billionaire realm. And she's like, I don't know if they're technically billionaires, but they're rich, rich. And I was like, okay, perfect. So I've decided that this trope is now going to be the rich, rich trope. (laughs) And it's quite self-explanatory. Usually it's the man in an MF relationship who is a billionaire or rich, rich. And they can either be from like a media mogul, like the Casanova and the Stopover um, by T.L. Swan, or they can be like a criminal Bratva leader, like Ruthless Creatures. Brilliant. We we like our rich, rich men in whichever way they come. It, it is a pretty self-explanatory trope. Kelsey, do you want to do your book first? Sure. I am so thrilled, you guys, because I didn't think I was going to finish in time but I made it five minutes before we hopped on here. I was reaching a hundred percent. I was so pleased. Okay. So once again, my book is the terms and conditions book by Lauren Asher. And it's all about this guy named Declan and Declan is a billionaire whose family owns dreamland. And I don't know why it took me so stinking long, but dreamland 
is Disneyland. Like literally same exact thing. Like it took me them going to the freaking park to realize that it was just Disneyland, but you know, the knockoff version, the, mm-hmm. the book version. Anyway, so his family owns Disneyland and he's all about getting this deal to like get a new Disneyland slash Dreamland open in Tokyo. So for the last two years, he's been working on this deal and him becoming CEO over his like abusive father is all based on him getting this deal. Did I say that weird? Him becoming CEO is all based off of this deal and like smiting his father in the meantime. Like he doesn't want to be his father. His father's a dick. And it's all about like, I don't want to be him and I'm better than him. So there's a lot of like family dynamic happening. In comes the girl who's Iris and Iris is Declan's assistant. I love Iris for a variety of reasons. One, because she doesn't put up with his shit and he like gives a lot of people shit and she's like, no, absolutely not. Like I have fought for my position. You've gone through assistants like they're, I don't know, take out lunch containers. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like she goes, he goes through them so fast and she's like, no, like I'm going to step into this role. I was forced to be here because I was part of a temp agency, but like, I'm going to stay. Like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm going to stick around. And she did for like three years. And they're in this relationship. And part of this whole big drama is Declan needs to get married also in order to become CEO. So not only does he need to like get this deal for Tokyo and like smite his father, he also needs to get married. So he is meeting his fiance, literally like fiance to be 10 minutes before this big engagement party that Iris has set up for them because it's a contractual agreement. He's like, I don't want to get married. I don't want to date anyone, but I need to get married. So I'm just going to like hire someone to be my wife for the next three years and pop out of the kid. Cause popping out a kid is also part of the arrangement. So here we are now it's five minutes before the engagement. And like this, all the people are in the party room, the party planner is coming out to Iris and being like, Iris, like, where's the happy couple. And Iris is like, just, just hold on a second. Declan shows up and he's like, the deal's off. And Iris is like, WTF, like we found this girl, she signed the paperwork, how is the deal off? And Declan's like, she wasn't the right fit. And we're like, Declan, you idiot. You know, everyone's like, you absolute idiot. There's also this guy named Cal in it, who's Declan's brother and Cal and Iris are best friends, which adds a fun dynamic as well to this. Cause now two people can tell Declan that he's an idiot whenever he is an idiot and add like a cool third person perspective throughout the book. Declan's an idiot a lot in case you guys haven't picked up on that yet. Okay, so Iris is like, we need to fix this. And Declan's like, how? And Iris is like, I'll do it. She's like, obviously doesn't think it through. Like, this is her boss, but this is also the person who she spent the last three years with. And she's lost a lot of friends just from like doing business deals with him and like spending various holidays and various exotic places and like going going all over the world with him. So she's like, I'll do it. So all of a sudden they go out to this giant party with a million people and they are announced as like we are now a couple and they've never touched each other really they've never hugged each other there's always been like that nice simmering sexual tension however like it's never been acted on once and now they're like forced to like hold hands and kiss in front of other people and Declan hates people and Iris likes people so that's okay but at the same time like every time they touch each other there's like obviously the electric sparks but also the just like stiffening up because they're like why do we feel these sparks like this is such a weird situation just your typical you know like we're forced into this situation awkwardness fast forward 
X amount of time, like a couple months, they are now living together. They have been married and they are falling in love with each other. And Iris comes from a past where her dad was abusive to her mom. So she's like sworn off of love. She's like, I'm not going to date anyone ever again. And Declan has an abusive father and like lost his mom to cancer. So like they're both have their situations that they need to overcome. So they're falling in love with each other, but they won't admit it to each other. But something that does start to happen that I think is just so freaking adorable is like Declan's terrible at expressing emotions. Like he's just like this really gruff guy who like rarely ever smiles. But something that he used to do with his mom because he was bad at expressing emotions was to find words that encompassed everything that he felt. So he started to do that with Iris as well. So like whenever they were feeling a certain way that he like couldn't put the emotions into or like didn't have the words for, he would have these words. He almost has like a hundred words on standby in different languages that help encompass what he means. So like for summer, I think of you and you have that one word that you used to use a lot. Piggy. 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 Oh my God. Like hygge. Okay. Yep. There we go. Like Danish, the Danish word for like cozy. Yes. It's like a whole vibe. It's like a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hygge. So it's like that. And I was hoping that that would like more people would understand that versus the word that I'm about to read to you guys that I'm probably going to butcher just like I did hygge. And it's latost. And I love the author because they like literally put a definition in. So I'm like, thank you for that. But latost means a state of agony or torment. And they're obviously like, like an aggravation point of the book when this happens, when he sends her this text message of like, this is how I'm feeling right now. Like I'm feeling like latost. But it's cute. It's their no, thing. No, I, I get it. It's, it's, cute. it's real cute. So as per usual, there's a moment where everything goes to shit. They have to get back together. There's a lot of groveling. There's been all these times that like Iris has said, like, I wouldn't marry you unless you were standing out in the rain in a Hugo Boss suit, like proposing with a giant emerald ring, like just like giving him shit or like, I, I want a big fluffy dog to follow me around with separation anxiety for the rest of my life. So that way I always have a friend. She'll just like say shit like this, even though she doesn't mean it, but like mentally Declan's been like saving all this information, just like up for a rainy day, which is when he totally blows up like blows up at her pushes her away and she's like now living with cal his brother and he's like i need to get her back so he gets the dog right he goes to 10 different shelters and gets the dog lo and behold iris doesn't like dogs you guys she's just saying this business so she doesn't even like dogs and he has just gotten her a dog like a big shaggy adorable dog and then he all of a sudden waits until it's raining and then goes and gets a giant emerald ring manages to like coerce her to come out and like meet him somewhere with the help of his brother Cal and he proposes to her again in the rain with this giant emerald ring and a Hugo Boss suit and she's just like oh my gosh all these things are you know all these things are coming to life at this point and it was in front of like a dilapidated house because she really loves like like flipping houses is like her favorite show and she's always wanted to do it So he goes all out with his grand gesture and it is so, so sweet. And there's all of the words that they've been saying to each other back when they did love each other and then they hate each other. Now they love each other again. So like in this big, wonderful moment, they're like speaking all these words at each other that we don't know how to pronounce, but it's just, (laughs) you guys, it was so cute. I'm still wrapped up in the story. It sounds so sweet. And like, no wonder why we have high expectations because- (laughs) 
Yes. I don't know how you get better than that. Like I thought my proposal was cute. Mm. Well, now we definitely need to hear yeah, that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my well, technically, mine was at Disney World, <laughs> like one of those cliche ones. But we were at it was like a drive-in restaurant, so we had ordered like an appetizer and like a milkshake to share. And so the waiter comes and he's like, "Here's your appetizer to share, and here's your milkshake to share." And then he put down the ring and he's like, "And DJ wants to know if you'll share the rest of your life with him." <laughs> cute but the thing was it's like when we were like going in because we used to live in Orlando like around the area so we had season passes so we would literally just go for like dinner you know and we walked in and like he was like decking me out he's like we need Disney ears Disney shirts like he wanted me like literally like a Disney adult for my proposal so it was really sweet that is so cute that was so cute and I love that it sounds like it sounds like you guys too you know like it sounds like that is and that's what makes it special is when it's something that really encompasses who you are as a couple. It was cute. I mean, obviously I would like to have like a giant emerald ring in the rain, but I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, you know, love comes in different forms. It yeah. really does. <laughs> oh, so in case you guys can't tell, I liked, I liked my book a lot. I thought it was real cute. I rated it an eight out of 10. There was some good spice. It was like pretty consistent, but it was also very, like very vanilla. Like there wasn't anything special about it. Like I almost think some of the hottest scenes happened when like they were fantasizing about each other and masturbating. So, and that only happened like once or twice. And then there's their sex was good, but it was also just kind of like, it was more, it was definitely a romance. It wasn't so much smut as it was a romance. Mm. Like I probably could hand this off to my mom without feeling like I was going to scar her. Would you say, so this is a big sell for me. Sometimes it's better than smut because this is on my TBR. So I need to know, would you say the dynamic and like tension and chemistry between the two characters made up for like the lack of like kinky smut or was it just kind of even across the board? No, I'd say that's actually what made it an eight out of 10 for me is the character arc. I think without this character arc and the complexities that were in it, it would be like a six out of 10. Nice. So yeah, it definitely did make up for the fact that I do love myself a good smutty book. So yeah, two out of two out of five for smut. Wasn't really there, but it's fine. I'm not that mad about it. Um, and then I also have a favorite quote. And the quote that I'm going to give you guys is from when Declan and Iris were pretending to be married in the very beginning. And they're like at some gala to impress some people and to try and prove that they're in love with each other as they were obviously slowly falling in love with each other. So a family friend comes over and is like, I have some marriage advice for you. Like, here's vodka. We're going to sit down. Here's your marriage advice. Like I couldn't make it to your wedding. I was traveling and I was hiking Mount Everest, but here we go. And they're both like, okay, like, here we go. Like, What's this going to be? And then this dude like drops a bomb. So I want to read the bomb because it's nice writing. This gentleman says, Marriage is like going on a road trip with the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, except you have no map or fancy GPS system to help you out. You might not always agree on what music to play or what direction you should go. I can guarantee there will be moments you want to rip your hair out or each other's. Just like there will be times that test you where you think that maybe things would be easier if you hit your ride with somebody else. 
The point is life is going to throw a lot of things at you, stuff like flat tires, dead end and mechanical issues, but you can either make the most of the journey with one another or cry about never getting to your destination. No one can make the right decision, but you. That's cute. That is cute. And I was like, okay, this is, this could have been super corny. It was not like it fit in so well. And it also was like a catalyst point for them, like really deciding like, oh, we could love each other outside of the fact that Iris signed a $300, $300 million contract to like be my wife. Like outside of that, this, this could actually be us. And I was like, yes, I dig this. That's really cute. I can also very much relate to that analogy in a weird way. Because after dating my girlfriend for probably less than six months, we went on a road trip from California back to New Orleans, where we were living at the time, to take my car from California to New Orleans. And I remember everyone's like, oh, wow, like, long trip. And I was like, yeah, like, it'll either, you know, like, break us or make us. And here we are six years later. And if I could change one thing about her, it would be our music tastes to align because we never want to play the same thing. So that irritation is like, oh, hits home. <laughs> I can relate. Yes. <laughs> My husband's also 20 years older than me. So like it's a lot of like Eagles and Chicago during these road trips. And I'm like, what about like Spice Girls or the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> I love the Eagles. Like Loki, I do too. I have a band. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they're actually what I put on when I go on road trips. However, I feel you though. Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys. When you just want to pump it up and get your energy going, nothing mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a disconnect there. Just for those thinking about an age gap relationship, <laughs> might get a little. <laughs> How did you guys meet? So we actually both worked in the Harley Davidson industry. So yeah, we, he, I actually hated him. This it's kind of like a book story. I'm not gonna (laughs) lie. I hated this man. And then one day we like went out drinking and romantically hooked up and then we never stopped. And I was like, Oh, I I really like you actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, Oh my God. It's like an age gap. MC, enemies to lovers. It's literally coworkers that sound. too. Yeah, the sound. Wait, is this fucking play about us? <laughs> like, <laughs> like me with like every book. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I read Ruthless Creatures. It was so good. It's like. Literally 20 pages in, I was, like, squealing and had to, like, you know when you're, like, in a good part of a book and you look up and you're just, like, and there's no one even there? Yes. (laughs) You're, like, guys! (laughs) This book is so good. So there is Natalie, a.k.a. Nat, and she lives in Lake Tahoe, which, fun fact, Kelsey goes there all the time. We were supposed to go there together this summer our first bestie trip since high school. And uh, my cat went into heart failure. So I had to fly home as soon as we got there. He's fine. He like was being dramatic apparently. But yeah, so Lake Tahoe, she lives there. (laughs) 
just that's just a quick trip down memory lane. I really enjoyed it though. Went downhill fast. <laughs> downhill so quick. But like he's fine. Like he's he's oh, still around and kicking. Tell us about the book. Lake Tahoe. <laughs> the book, right? Lake Tahoe. Cat is fine. So her name's Nat. And five years ago, her fiance disappeared the night before their wedding. So the book starts and it's the five year anniversary of her almost wedding. She goes out to dinner with her best friend Sloan, who is like, their relationship is so funny. And it made me think of ours a lot, Kelsey. There was actually this like one quote in the beginning, which, and she, Nat is an art teacher. Shut the front door. And Sloan is a bit of a hot mess. Okay, that's not you though. It's not not me either. <laughs> so they're going out to dinner because every year on the anniversary, she get, just gets like shit faced on her own. And she just broke up with somebody. Like he called her and was like, hey, this isn't working. Like you're still living in the past. And she was like, yep, you're right. She hasn't been able to like feel anything for anybody, have sex with anybody. And they're at dinner and they see this guy who's like really giant and brooding and Sloan is like, he's super hot. Like, I'm going to go try to flirt with him. And she comes back and he had turned her down. He was like, I'm not interested in you. And then the nosy Nelly of the neighborhood sees them and like sits down and starts gabbing about this guy. And it's like, Natalie, like he moved in next door to you. He bought the house in all cash. Like, just look at him. He seems so sketchy. Like he must be a criminal. And she ends up going home. And the next morning she's trying on her wedding dress because her and Sloan are going to finally give it to the consignment shop. So she like has her dress on and she's expecting Sloan to come over any minute. And so she, she gets a knock at the door. She says, come in. He comes in and she's wearing her wedding dress. And he says something about like, you're beautiful, but like that dress isn't whatever. And then he leaves, goes next door, and he he got a package that was addressed to her. Um, it was I was like, I was like, why is he there? Right. Did he just show up to insult her? I thank no. you for adding that in because it was really gonna bother me. <laughs> yeah, no, he got a package that was addressed to her. And then the next thing she knows, she hears like punching bag noises, and she can see into his window that he's just like brutally beating this punching bag, and it seems very angry. And she's like, great, he hates me. And they come up with this theory that he's a widower. And that the reason why, like, he, you know, instantly shot down Sloan was because he wasn't interested, because he's grieving, and he saw her in a wedding dress, and that made him sad. So then she goes out to dinner again by herself, and she sees him. And this is where it starts getting, like, spicy. And he invites her over, and you have a few, some, like, very few snippets of his perspective where you hear that he calls somebody in prison and says that he did the job and that she's been like taken care of she obviously hasn't been taken care of and in his narration he also mentions how like she's too pretty the most beautiful thing he's ever seen he's not gonna be able to go through with the job so you know we're putting the pieces together some criminal element went there to kill her decides he's not gonna kill her and invites her over for dinner because they're at the same restaurant. Um, and that's when things starts getting spicy. He says something like, oh, like next time I see you, I'd like to kiss you. And she's like, nah. And he's like, okay, fine. Well then come over on my lap and let me like finger bang you while I feed you. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, sir, 
escalated very quickly. Um, I'm like, Kelsey. Oh, Megan. <laughs> so you guys at home know Megan is like squealing and like getting all excited. And Kelsey is just looking like, what the fuck? Just polar but opposite I, reactions. I, know, I don't even know what was happening. I was like trying to contemplate. I was like, would I like that? Would I, would I do that? If like, would I want someone to finger bang me if I didn't even want to kiss them? And well, like I was just, guys, I was going to the boat. That was what that pace was. And well, that's you know, like the rational thinking, right? Yeah. Like, like the appropriate response, not like, mm-hmm. oh my fucking God, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my pad. At one point the night before at dinner, when is the first time she sees him, she gets drunk and she doesn't want Sloane coming home with her because she just wants to like go home and drink by herself basically and like wallow in her sorrow. And she knows if Sloane shares a cab with her, she's gonna like make her stay up and she doesn't wanna do that. So she's like, fine, I'll go ask him for a ride home. And he turns her down. So that's like all the interaction they've had. It's like, she's literally ran into him. She asked for a ride home and he said no. And then she sees him at this restaurant. He invites her over to her table. He says that thing. She also interrupts him at one point. He's like, don't interrupt me or I will like bend you over my knee and spank the booty. (laughs) So (laughs) I just have never seen you be so awkward about that before in my life. (laughs) Especially with what you write. Like (laughs) (laughs) this book had me blushing. I'm your retelling is making me blush a little bit like, now that I'm in the vibe. And this was before anything actually happened between them. Just let that simmer and imagine what happens once they actually start like touching each other. Just, I love foreplay. I absolutely love foreplay. I live for it. Keep yeah. going. Keep telling me more. Let okay, me so this, this, is, this is the quote that that reminded me of you and me. I realize it's not as cute as it was when I highlighted it. <laughs> But when I went to Tahoe, I had $16 guacamole, like a small little bowl of $16. And they're ordering guacamole. Are you paying? Because the guac here is 10 bucks for two tablespoons. And I've heard I'm cheap. She smiles fondly and says, it's among many shortcomings, but perfect people are boring. She said, okay, but I'm warning you right now. I haven't eaten since breakfast. And then the other person says, Babe, I know you well enough to keep my hands at a safe distance when you're eating. Remember that time we shared a bowl of popcorn while watching The Notebook and I almost lost a finger? <laughs> oh, The way I pound down guacamole and really any food in my vicinity. Also popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anywho, so popcorn is great, but back to the handsome man and his <laughs> dirty mouth. He's like, hey, I really like you, but if I if I have you, like you're mine and that's it. And she was like, yo, this is crazy. And he also was like, he's like, I'm never gonna lie to you. So she was like, why did you buy your house with cash? And he's like, to launder the money. I'm gonna be selling it soon. So he's been like very upfront, very like vocal about that he's a bad guy. And he ends up leaving, but gives her his number just in case. And then a few months pass and he comes back and He's like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about you. And basically it's just like sparks fly. And he's obsessed with her and she becomes quickly obsessed with him. She also in the meantime has 
found a letter from her missing fiance that leads to a safety deposit box at a bank that he didn't bank with. And the letter was at their old apartment. It was, he had mailed it to her, but didn't mail it to her. Like he just put it in their mailbox, but it got lost behind the wall. So she never found it. So they're doing renovations five years later, they find it and she gets it and has a key in it. The key is to a safety deposit box and the safety deposit box just has a letter in it. And it's not some secret coded letter. It just is like talking about how much she loves her. So there's kind of some mystery there. And then most of the book is written in Natalie's point of view, but there's a few chapters every now and then that are in Cage's point of view, which by the way, Cage is the main character's name. Uh, I'm the worst book retailer ever. I'm still in it though. I'm still here for it. So yeah, so Cage, there's a, you get like, you're dripped very slowly, like what he knows and what he does. And one of the things that you find out is that he knows something about her fiance, knows that he didn't really just disappear, like that there's more to it. And like, that's, that's basically all we know so far because I haven't finished it, but I will. (laughs) I will. And no spoilers for you, audience. (laughs) Honestly, Um, I've read that book. So, like, I would say I could fill in, but I am literally a goldfish, and I don't even remember what happened. So I was, like, <laughs> waiting for you to recap. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, it's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. <laughs> so then you find out that he's head of the Bratva, like, the entire Bratva, not just, like, one family in one city. Like, he's the top dog because the main top, top dog is in prison. So while he's in jail, he's, you know, running everything. So he can only see Nat like a few times a month. And because there's this, from his point of view, we know that he was like supposed to kill her and he didn't. So she's like this big secret and even more so than if she was just, you know, like his side piece, partner, girlfriend, lover, whatever. And a war starts to break out amongst all the organized crime families. So this is like the mafia. Yeah. Yeah, the Bratva is the Russian mafia. Thank you. As someone yeah. who does not read the dark romances, appreciate that. Yes. yes. Um, a little disappointed because the only time that they include Russian is in like business dealings. Any other time where he's like, he whispered and like a dark guttural voice rushing into my ear. It's not like my Lishka. It's, it's just... He whispered Russian. It's a missed opportunity is what I'm hearing. Is it Malishka? What is it? I can feel like Megan, you would know. I think it's Malishka. Malishka. That's not like, I have yeah. played that many times. Google Translate. Like, <laughs> I like the vibes. <laughs> Exposing myself. So we don't have any Russian dirty talk yet. I am like most of the way through it, but tensions are gonna tensions are rising there's definitely gonna be some shit about to hit the fan she also got on her on the five-day anniversary five-year anniversary of the almost wedding the box that she gets that was accidentally delivered to cage instead is of painting supplies and she hasn't been able to paint since her fiance disappeared and she's an art teacher an artist and she doesn't remember ordering them and i'm like 
she didn't order them. That sneaky little dead missing husband did. I've been waiting for him to show back up, honestly. Oh, he's gonna be. I know it. He's got to. As soon as you brought him up in the beginning, I was like, what else are you bring him up? He's got to show back up. Yeah. Oh, and the dog. So I knew this was going to happen. The dog is several times she mentions about how he's like a terrible guard dog. He, you know, she's been banging on every surface imaginable in the house and, you know, screaming and all of that in pleasure. And he like hasn't even raised his head and like right. how, you know, once Cage came back from a trip and like entered through the back door by like picking a lock and Moja didn't didn't even do anything so you know they've mentioned all the times about how he's a terrible guard dog next thing we know he's getting like all restless and you know barking at nothing outside so it's gonna get good let me just tell you <laughs> it's about to go down megan do you remember because you is it honestly back no here? And I'm like, I'm like sweating right now because I'm like trying to think I'm like what happens. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to ask me if I know. I, I literally have no idea. I, I remember like the names and like the general premises, but it's out the window. Yeah. To be fair, most of the plot is sporadic. Like it's mostly smut, but it, but the plot doesn't feel like they're just like dropping it in there or like forcing it like i'm i'm in it for the plot but it doesn't just feel like they're randomly banging like all the spice makes sense you know what i mean that's good not that i'm opposed to the random banging but like it flows nicely (laughs) i'll taste spice (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. do we have a spicy quote or anything else we don't share about yeah we do we do how would you rate the spice so far I want to say maybe like a four. There's some like BDSM elements. Oh my God. Another major brownie points is she's like an accidental switch. Like he wanted, like he wanted to like spank her and tie her up and all that stuff. And she was like, well, only if I can do it to you. And you know, I'll leave that to your imagination. Uh, let me find my quote. <laughs> I like this. This is nice. It's and Kelsey. It's so far. It's like it's. T- I think technically dark romance, but you would be able to read it. I was gonna say it's sounding Kelsey appropriate. Yeah. Again, I like do not do dark romances. That's okay. Oh, no. Me asking if that was the mafia. Like I am just summer stays in the dark <laughs> romance. I usually stick in like the rom com. We make a happy happy balance out of it. I love it. Nothing wrong with that. I am working on getting Summer over to the rom-com side every once in a while. You know, I feel like Talia Hibbert is literally like one of the best like rom-com-ish type of authors for me. That's somebody that I like can switch between. Like usually when I'm in a dark romance space, I like to stay there. But anytime I pick up one of her books, because she is like genuinely hilarious. I think that's why I like her books. Yes. Whenever there's characters that you're like literally laughing, like, hey, I want to be best friends with you. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, definitely. Especially when there's less smut than there is plot. You need 
you need that character arc to be just excellent. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. The, but you read, I was listening to the past uh, podcast with Christy and you read Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Yeah. And yes. you like that. Did you happen to read the last book? I forget what it's called, but it's like After Age Eve Brown, maybe. No. I that one I recommend because Eve is hilarious, but also. Oh, the spice in that book I read like strictly dark romance like ushy gushy ass slapping smut and I was like clutching my pearls at that book because and I I think primarily it had to do with like the tension between the characters but I recommend that one (laughs) I'm adding it to my list right now thank you for that my quote I realize is not a spicy quote but it was Another thing is that this book is really funny. It kind of reminded me of Brutal Prince, where, like, the subject material isn't supposed to be funny, but the characters' narrations and, like, their head thoughts and stuff are really funny. And even though she is, like, mourning, depressed, like, struggling with her life in a lot of ways, she is still, like, very strong and, like, you know, stands up to this mafia dude who is, like don't interrupt me. And she's like, excuse me. But she has a, the boyfriend who broke up with her, they dated for a few months. He is a sheriff. And he, once he finds out that Cage is involved in crime, he keeps like showing up and like kind of driving by at all hours. And at one point he comes over to try to, to try to like win her back sort of, and convince her that like Cage is a really bad guy and he shouldn't be with her. He asked her a while back, like, are you sleeping with him? And she doesn't answer. And he tells her this time, like, as soon as you told me he was sleeping with you, like, I had to look into him. And she was like, I never said that. And he's like, oh, you have a tell. You glance up to the right. So she grabs her shotgun and she says, this is private property, my property. I've asked you to leave, but you haven't. So not only are you harassing me and scaring me, you're trespassing and considering our past relationship, you're obsessed with my neighbor and your history of stalkerish behavior with the constant drive-bys, which I'm sure your boss could track from your phone or the equipment in your squad car if needed. It would look very bad for you in front of a jury if I felt compelled to use this weapon. His eyes bulge, his face turns red. He sputters, are you threatening to shoot me? She goes, I don't know, Chris, check to see if I'm glancing up and to the right. Yes. After a moment of stunned silence, he says loudly, you bitch. And that almost makes me smile. If nothing else, it makes me feel better for going all ramble on him. Charming. Now get off my porch before I put a hole in your chest big enough to see daylight through. I like her. Amazing. I really like her. That's like a dream of mine to like come up with some like sassy, badass comeback. Ugh. Not like three days later in the mirror with myself. Yeah, in the shower. I'm like, oh shit! Should have said this. Yeah. So she's a really fun character. Her and her best friend kind of remind me of what book was that? Was it? I think it was maybe Bad Boss by Whitney G, where she's like emailing with her friend, like mm-hmm. softcore porn, basically. Yes. Her and her best friend, they some of their like conversations are kind of like that where you're like, would you really say this to your best friend? Sort of like, you know, so it's almost like like some of the dialogue is more like a movie script. But overall, I think it might be one of my new favorite books. 
really oh. really liked it i haven't even finished it I haven't even gotten to like the plot twist but snaps all around so far nice and series which i'm like stoked about once you finish it let me know if it's still kelsey approved because i'm enjoying the sound of it i think it will be okay okay megan i'm so good. excited to hear about this i've listened to maybe a year or so ago i listened to an episode by faded mates with Nikki Sloan and they kind of talked about the Filthy Rich American series so I know very roughly like the one sentence and synopsis of it. Wow let's see if I can explain this in a nice linear linear way. Terrible at explaining. I'm so bad at it. (laughs) Okay so I read the Filthy Rich American series on a whim. So Naomi on, she's on TikTok and Instagram too. She's oceans of books. She usually has like recommendations that like follow, like if she likes something, I'm most likely going to like it. Cause we have the same kind of taste. So she was reading this and she's like, Oh my fucking God, you need to pick this book up now. Like the tension is insane. So basically this book is like a true billionaire romance. Um, It starts off with Marist, and I think I'm pronouncing her name right, but Marist and her sister are like rolling up in a limo to the CEO and owner's son's little house party. And he, the dad is the CEO and the owner of one of like the biggest banks in America or in the world, actually. So Maris's sister is kind of like promised, you know, as rich people do, they promise their children to each other, those strong alliances and breeding and all that. So Emily and Royce, the son, they're supposed to get together. Maris does not want to be at this party. She's just kind of there for appearances. So she actually just goes straight upstairs to the library and read. She brought like a Greek mythology book and Greek mythology is like mentioned throughout this series quite a bit. But so she's in there reading and somebody walks in and it's Royce. And the way that Nikki Sloan like describes like this meeting, like it's just off the bat, like who hot tension. So they end up having some like banter back and forth. And of course they have an attraction towards each other. They start making out. He pushes her up against the library walls. They have like, you know, some like foreplay and whatnot, And then he kind of like pulls back and it's disclosed that Marist is a virgin, which is like not a trope that I like necessarily like because I don't think it's really done well. Like it's like always like creepy, like she's untouched and pure, but this, like it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm a virgin. And he kind of pulls away from her because he has to get back down to his party and he says, wait for me. So fast forward a couple years Royce and his father, his father's name is McAllister. They're coming over to Maris and Emily's house because Maris and Emily's dad works for McAllister Hale. So they're coming over to the house. They're having a dinner. Everyone's kind of like all like scared and tense because McAllister Hale is like really intimidating. Emily's sick at this point. Emily's the one that's promised to Royce, right? So Maris goes down and she's trying to, you know, like... <laughs> soothe everybody. McAllister, the dad, he's getting like visibly irritated while Maris or Emily comes down. She's ill. Right. And she goes to shake McAllister's hand, this big, scary dick of a man. And Emily throws up on him. Pregnant. Who's, who's the baby daddy? 
Yes. So, okay. So, and I'm like, literally, not only am I a goldfish that I like, don't remember anything. I never fucking see anything coming. Like I am just like blinders up. So when they say like, I bet she's pregnant. I'm like, no, I did not see that coming. Are you shitting me? Did you see me shoot out of my chair here? Like I wasn't seeing that coming. Yeah. She was ill. Oh my God. Right. So that's what I thought. So long story short, as obviously this is going to go in this direction, but Maris needs to take her place. So that's, you know, what it is. I have this like really great quote and I'll, I'll let you know at the end from their next meeting because she hasn't seen Royce, right? Since their little tryst in the library. So fast forward, basically her dad's like a fucking psychopath or his dad's a psychopath, McAllister. He's really intimidating. He wants her to dress a certain way, dye her hair, act a certain way in order to uphold the Hale name. And the stakes are high for Royce because Royce wants to be initiated onto the board. So there's a lot of like back and forth. There's a lot of like, I don't know, uh, conniving in the background. But there's a scene where Royce and Marist are like in the back of a car And Royce, Maris is like, let's have sex. Like, I want to do it. I waited for you. And he, this is Kelsey Dark Romance, okay? So he basically, like, thrusts his hands in her and is like, this will be less traumatic for you. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, why would you do that, you psycho? And they leave it at that. So turns out that Emily finds out that in order for Royce to be initiated into this board, he needs to have a wife, which that's Maris's whole role. But the initiation is Maris and Royce need to have sex in front of the board for the first time, right? <laughs> Kelsey, your face is y'all, right y'all. It gets crazier, okay? So the initiation happens. And basically she has to sign an NDA that you're here of your own free will. Like you consent to this and the men on the board are allowed to touch you. Their tongues, face and hands. And that's it. So basically it's like this weird, creepy cult ritual where they all like hold her down on a table and they like take turns with her. And then at the end, Royce has sex with her. But the kicker is his dad's in the room and Royce and Maris bargain for the dad to not touch her, right? Like, so that's what happens. Fast forward more, okay? It's done, it's over with. She actually like had a good time for parts of it. So like, it's not like as creepy as it sounds. Like she's, there's pieces of it where she's like, oh, like, you know, like there's, it's fine, whatever. Like, as soon as you brought this up, I- flashback to when summer and i were watching lucifer back when like lucifer was like nice and then it got super dark and there was this one episode where it was like the same thing where it was like a cult and it was all these virgins just like being sacrificed in this way and i was like summer i can't like i was like i can't watch this business well and i no wonder why you don't remember it because you weren't scarred by it like i was <laughs> This is why you still go back and watch that episode. (laughs) Just another day in the life. (laughs) Well, I think so cults is like one of uh, the things that I like love when it shows up in books, because it really is like such a dark, like crazy, like brainwashing thing. And it's very interesting to read about. But 
So fast forward, the theme of this book is like, there's a lot of like deals and manipulations going on between Royce and Marist and Marist and McAllister, the father. So as time goes on and, and we're like into like a couple books in, right? So as time goes on, McAllister wants Marist because he feels slighted. He didn't get his like couple minutes in the initiation, like, and he is growing like obsessed with her. And I am growing obsessed with McAllister. Okay. Because he, (laughs) the way that this man is written, he is like, obviously he's, he's super creepy, but there's something about him, like the arrogance and like the power that the way that he's written is done so well that you as a reader, like you're like, you feel like a pang in your heart, right? Because Royce and Maris, like they're getting along great. They're falling in love. But then Maris is also conflicted because she kind of wants McAllister too. So there's some like, they don't have sex, but there are some sexual things that happen between the two. I won't get into the dirty details, but like there is some voyeurism, some primal kink. I'm getting like Daddy Dougal vibes. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is, yeah, I, I, I'm like, <laughs> Started thinking about it because the way that he was written I just think he was so great and it's like he's one of those characters where you're like you know it's wrong but you're kind of like weirdly rooting for him and I don't know if that's like the because I'm just used to rooting for like the shitty guy in these dark romances <laughs> like that I'm like yeah that's the one right right no but <laughs> what ends up happening is is he is is Royce is trying to like overtake his father's seat because his father's just going crazy. Right. So what happens is it comes to a vote and they end up voting McAllister out and Royce in. McAllister fucking loses it. Right. So he like declares his love for Maris. Maris, I love you. Please choose me. Take back your vote. Blah, blah, blah. So he goes fucking crazy. Meanwhile, there's this like other underlining story where McAllister's wife, who's his second wife, Royce's stepmom, she like tried to kill Marist. So they all end up on the roof somehow. Alice, the stepmom, tries to push Marist off a ledge. Doesn't happen, but McAllister pushes Alice off the building and kills her. Okay. So that's the end of book three. And you're like, (laughs) what just happened? So book four is like the redemption arc for McAllister. It's it's from McAllister's point of view and Sophia, who's like his personal assistant. So this book basically like redeems McAllister. Sophie, Sophia obviously softens him and like makes him like, you know, realize that like his family is really important and, you know, he needs to like stop burning his bridges. She helps him kind of make his name like better because, you know, he just like, fawned after his daughter-in-law and like (laughs) killed his wife and went to jail. So that book is basically about him and her working together to get his reputation better, kind of take down some other people. Meanwhile, they fall in love. When I tell you I barely breathe this entire book, it was so hot. And it's one of those things where like the smut was good, but the tension and like the chemistry was just written so freaking well that like, I felt like it was happening to me. I mean, I literally did not do anything for like a day and I was just, yes. I, I'm still in such a slump because of this book. So yeah, it, it was great. Uh, I highly recommend it. It was definitely darker and there was like some creepy aspects of it. If you're not really into like, father-in-law pining after his uh, married <laughs> daughter-in-law. 
<laughs> or a bunch of random old rich dudes like <laughs> initiating you into a secret society but I love it besides those two things yeah besides those <laughs> little things minor plot <laughs> details <laughs> okay so how would you give us some ratings how would you rate the overall book I honestly and I'm very generous with all of my ratings I had a great time it took my breath away literally I thought it was super spicy so I would probably give it a nine out of ten beautiful mm-hmm. spice would be like uh so this one would be different because like the smut spice like was you know just eh, like nothing like crazy kinky or anything like out of this world but the chemistry really made up for it so like that's why I would give it like probably like a what are we doing like a five four out of five spice scale I think I would rate it that nice what would you rate the the whole series the whole series yeah nine out of ten for sure it was good like I highly recommend it I don't know if I'll like be able to stop talking about this for a while so it's good I have a good quote for you guys so I I posted this on Instagram so some of you might have already seen it but so there's one quote from the first book so like I mentioned Royce wanted Maris to wait for him you know save her uh, virginity for him so like the quote is you wait for me you understand I get to be the first Maris no one else touches you and then when he sees her again it's just them in the hallway and he goes hello Maris his lips held the faintest of smile and he says, did you do what I asked? <laughs> and then my all-time favorite quote. So from the redemption. So basically Sophia, she like we- calls him daddy. Oh, yes. Really quick. <laughs> he ends up with Sophia, not Marist. Yes. Yeah. So the ending okay, Royce okay. and Marist live happily ever after, which. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Forgot that detail, probably because I'm like blacking it out. <laughs> All I can think about is the galaxy. You're like, Maris to who? That bitch who? <laughs> so in McAllister's book, which is the fourth book, and that actually can be read as a standalone. I don't recommend, but in case you wanted to just like get a little bit of, you know, a taste. Throughout the book, Sophia calls him daddy, like as one does in an age gap relationship, like in romance novels. And he hates it. Like it's a trigger for him. He's, he gets mad. Like he's like, do not fucking call me that. Like, so she starts as like when they're platonic, right? Calling him daddy, calling him daddy. And and as they get closer, he still fucking hates it. I'm sorry. You platonically call people daddy? Yeah. Yeah. Only in fiction. (laughs) like when he's like bossing her around she's like yes daddy (laughs) I can't even like with a straight face in real life like I not even like sarcastically no I would die like I feel myself getting red thinking about even trying to say that like in like a way to your boss yeah believe it or not very platonic this girl's got balls so (laughs) as their relationship progresses they are boning and this quote (laughs) that made me squeal so pain radiated this is from Sophia's perspective pain radiated down my scalp as he snatched a handful of my hair and jerked my head back onto his shoulder his tone was sinister sliding into my mind like a knife you like the way daddy fucks you Ah! (laughs) oh I die (laughs) 
Megan just oh, dived out of screen. Yeah. <laughs> he relented and played back. And that Loves just it. made my soul leave my body. So dang. It's, it was great. Beautiful retelling. I enjoyed Thank every you. second. I mean, I maybe not every second, but I was enthralled nonetheless. <laughs> That's enough for you, right? <laughs> it was. It was you telling me all about it. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay, so I thought I remember as when you started talking about like the board meeting and stuff, it like kind of came back to me. And then and I was like, oh my God, they all have sex with her. And then when you're like, oh, so for part of the initiation, they just have to have sex in front of the board, like, while they watch. And I was like, oh, that's fine. And then, <laughs> nope. No big deal. <laughs> but no penises. Yeah. <laughs> you know who McAllister reminds me of? With the whole, like, killing the wife thing and just being, like, unhinged? Zeus from Neon Gods. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Big Zeus vibes, yeah. Yeah. That's it's a the murder in your wife thing. I wish yeah. I could read that book again, Neon Gods, like for the first time again. Mm. I love that. That was, was a great one. Yeah, I imagined McAllister as I didn't watch Grey's Anatomy, but McSteamy, I think he's called. I don't know his name or his character, <laughs> but I think most people would know him by that. I imagine him like that, but the author describes him. Do you all know the, he's in like American Horror Story. He's like the first one, the dad with like the brown hair. That's how the author describes him. Hold please. Yeah, I was gonna say that's an absolutely not on my end. Just by the name of the uh, show, I'm gonna, I've always been a hard pass. I just like did not, I mean, like as one does, like you kind of just like make up your own kind of description. Like I have a beautiful description of him in my brain just from what you've said. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if it's anything like whatever Summer's going to pull up. I'm sorry, yeah. what? <laughs> what? Sans fedora. <laughs> I was going to say the fedora just freaking killed anything that I was feeling towards McAllister up until this point. Not that that's even an accurate representation with the fedora. And but like wife and daughter. <laughs> I kind of pictured Fitz, is that his name? Fitz from Scandal. Oh. The president. Yes. I could see that too. I could totally see that. It's been ages since we watched that. I remember watching it with my grandma and I would cover her eyes. My mom recently found me on TikTok. Traumatizing experience. She's like, you're so funny. Great job. I'm proud of you. I love that. Nothing but that. Your mom's the best. Yeah. Well, this was, so I have one mom, I have two moms. One of them is like very pure, very like, like your first boyfriend should like hold your hand and you should play board games together and like she thought the guy on the cover of my book was like too hairy and like he was scary and she wants like a pretty blonde boy instead and uh very pure and then my other mom is more like a more up with it I guess you could say (laughs) 
<laughs> so she's the one who found my TikToks. But she did say that my other mom watched them and she apparently just like would scroll through and be like, I don't even know her. <laughs> as much as I want to be like woman empowerment, like women are sexual beings and it's fine and okay. I'm also like, just dig me a hole out back. Yeah. I think it gets, it gets kind of embarrassing sometimes, especially with like the content that like me currently that I read. I had my husband's daughter. So obviously she's older because, you know, age gap. Her friend was like, I want to follow you. I read smutty books too. And I was like, oh, like, what do you read? And she's like, Colleen Hoover. And I was like, yes, follow me. And then she saw my TikTok with like the werewolves with two dicks and I was like all right like that's so embarrassing for me (laughs) wait your daughter your sorry your husband's daughter is older than you or older than like your child would be she yeah no she is so I'm 31 and I think she's 28 okay but he's 20 years older than me gotcha I think that's started dating him at 45 so I was like he like knows how to do taxes I mean come on (laughs) and Summer maybe there is something with my sugar daddy you should stick around (laughs) yeah they like know things they do our registrations I mean like (laughs) car registrations and taxes intimidating stuff yeah legit though (laughs) I have to do that myself? No. (laughs) This womanly fucking body of mine and snatch me somebody that can make my life easy. Damn. I saw a couple of your TikToks along those lines and I immediately liked them. The like billionaires, like the like, you'll never have to work again. And I was like, heart that immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and can we talk about like the most unrealistic thing that happens in these billionaire rich romances is when the guy tells the FMC, like, you don't have to work anymore. I'll take care of you. Like everything's, you know, or even down to the, like, I'm going to take you on a shopping spree. And the FMC is like, no. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? No. What do you mean? No. Like you want to go work nine to five in an office. <laughs> like fe- my feminine, feminine, feminism goes out the window. I don't want it. I don't need it. You can take okay, care but, of it. But what would you do? What would you do if that was your real life? What would you do? I like on a day to day. Like if someone was like, I want to take care of you. Like, let's go on a shopping spree. And they're wealthy. Like they're maybe they're like summers, like rich, rich. However, it's like new, like you're not in a committed relationship. What would you do? Oh my God. Uh, I would totally do it. First of all, that doesn't <laughs> happen to everybody. Am I giving you like real life advice? Okay. Here's my real life advice. <laughs> Say yes, because number one, like there's a wage gap so he can afford it. Okay. (laughs) I'm so overwhelmed. (laughs) What's the worst that can happen? Like let him take care of you and it's, it's treat it like a date, but like, you know, it's no different than a guy buying you dinner. Right. If we strip it down, (laughs) do it, (laughs) send it, live your best life. (laughs) I'm still so overwhelmed. You guys. This is great. I'm really appreciating this. Thank you. Thank you for this. <laughs> it looks like Sugar Daddy's going to be 
hanging on a little longer. Oh my gosh. He did try to get me a massage the other night and I wouldn't let him, but I see I have like I'm, my morals are somewhere in this mess and they're just they are keeping getting in my way of free things. I get it. I I get it. I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm, <laughs> I am team take advantage of the man. <laughs> what if you find like a happy love story too? This is a possibility. This absolutely is a possibility. It could happen. It could just- happen. I feel like we're all as women so used to feeling like we owe people things just for them being like nice to us that it almost like it's even though like Kelsey's potential sugar daddy has never once implied that like anything he does for her is in exchange for something else and he's been very respectful and hasn't like tried anything untoward like I feel like we all just have that fear of like, what if I accept too much and they feel entitled or whatever? Yeah. And but not that you shouldn't get the massage <laughs> and all the clothes. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That one I probably should have said yes to. I honestly still need it. <laughs> Who doesn't need a massage though? Let's, we all need massages. All, all fundraise. All fundraise for us. Megan, how did you end up on TikTok? Well, so (laughs) my husband was like deep into TikTok, like watching them constantly and I would make fun of him for it. So I had uh, at the time reread Akatar in preparation for Nesta and Cassian's book. And I had been seeing like aesthetic videos on Instagram all the time. And I, I, there's something with like music that I don't know. I just always feel like doing things to music is an outlet. So like, I was like, I can totally do these aesthetics and it'll kind of like give me like a little outlet for all this, like little bit of creativity that I have from reading these books. So I started posting that with my face. I think most people start that way with kind of posting aesthetics. So that's what I did for a while. And then I slowly started to like show my face and like do like, you know, like fantasy content and stuff that was like pretty tame. And then I read Den of Vipers and it was <laughs> the rest was history. <laughs> what is like your biggest pet peeve in romance? And then what is also your favorite trope? Oof. I think my biggest pet peeve is when like authors biases like clearly seep into the writing and like you often find that in like descriptions of other women like that will be almost an instant DNF for me because I don't like when they're like oh she had a plastic looking face and was real thin and and they're not saying it to like describe like themselves like they're saying it to describe somebody else like and and obviously it can be done right you know but you can just tell like (laughs) that they're throwing jabs in there so I don't like that I also would rather uh die than read cream that's just personal I have like a serious gag reflex and that when I read like she was creamy (laughs) throw up everywhere I read a book that was like she was so creamy Kelsey's, Kelsey's or something. No. I was like, 
I literally almost threw my candle out the window. Like, I was, just, I was just trying to track as to what we were even talking about right there is what my brain was just doing this time. <laughs> it is terrible. And I know like I have sympathy for authors because like there are so many words that like everybody like hates and like, it's like, what do you say? But you don't Not say that. that. You don't say don't that. Say that. that. That's for sure. <laughs> That's a huge no. Things that I love in books. Um, I'm just going to just segue right into the positives. Things that I love in books. My favorite tropes would probably be forced proximity and like arranged marriage, just because I know like those two like are just filled with tension. And I don't know if it's a trope necessarily, but like I mentioned before, anything with like secret societies or like cults, super interested in. And yeah, I think that's it. Nice. Those, those are good ones. Those yeah. are definitely good ones. The tension in all of those is so high and it's not just always the smut. It's what's around it that then makes the smut so good. Yes. <laughs> Big chemistry gal. That usually like is a huge reason why I enjoy a book or not. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. That the, the arranged marriage reminds me of this tweet. I saw a tweet meme, one of those things, but it was a like, grandpa. You should know the difference. <laughs> well, I'm not actually on Twitter. So it's like, they're like screenshots. They're like they're memes screenshots of, of tweets, cre- screenshots of tweets. But I'm like, I don't, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even know if it initially was published as a tweet. Anywho, I saw something on the interwebs that was like, so you're telling me that this like billionaire business, like mogul who can close any deal with anybody like all of a sudden like needs to have a wife in order to close a deal (laughs) like it's like the basis of like all these like fake dating or like arranged marriage tropes like even Kelsey is is, like a businessman who he needs a wife in order to like convince the person he wants to make a deal with that he's a family man I've read that so many times (laughs) Uh uh-huh it's definitely very common (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it yeah and now now I'm never gonna be like already the fake dating trope there's some you know you kind of have to flex your imagination and like suspend reality a little bit because it's already kind of like an absurd trope but now that I've heard that comparison I'm like never again never again will I be able to read it without being like this guy doesn't deserve to be a billionaire because he couldn't find a way out of this (laughs) Right. What is your favorite part of the book talk, booksta, gram, book community? And what do you want um, to see it changed? Well, my favorite part would be obviously all of the uh, relationships I've made. Almost like all of my book community friends more than most of the people in my real life. <laughs> It's funny because like this one thing, like especially, so I have like a a pretty close group of friends. It's Mallory, Naomi, who I mentioned uh, earlier and Brie. They, so we all kind of have like the same interests with, you know, books and stuff, but it's so funny how like it filters over into other things and like how like while you get along with people, like because like when you like, like, you know, a certain genre or like romance in general, like 
number one, like ideally you're, you're very open and not judgy and you're, you know, you're, you're well read and most of the time you're funny. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of these like character traits kind of spill over and you just like get along so well with people. And like, like in real life, like my nightmare is like making friends and talking to people. Like I, I could never do it. And here there's just so many interactions, you know, you're constantly in other people's DMS and I just love that. So that would be my favorite part. And I think the part that I would love to see change, and I have been like getting it from all ends of the spectrum lately, but, and I don't know it's it's necessarily in like the romance community, but I think in like the book talk community at large is just kind of letting people live if they're not harming other people. So commenting on like the dark content, obviously, like as like dark romance readers, we get that all the time. And you, you will have other people that agree with you like that. This content is harmful for people, but not on my video. Like, so <laughs> You're not opening up a discussion. You're just kind of rehashing this tired old argument. That's not going to change my mind. So basically that, and just kind of like when people are gushing about a book or love a book to maybe just keep scrolling if you don't like it instead of commenting. (laughs) I don't really know why we feel the need to comment on people's things when they're clearly enjoying it. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Just stay in your (laughs) lane, basically book talk. Yes. TikTok is usually safe because it's kind of like a closed loop, right? Like you're, you're basically only being served stuff Mm -hmm. that you're interacting with, but occasionally you'll get like that one asshole that's like, oh, I'm going to send this to your mom. And I'm like, what's she going to do? I'm 31 and pay my own bills. Like my mom's, I mean, like she taught me how to read. Okay. On Instagram, it's so much scarier. I've noticed I just got over to Instagram and it's, it's more of like an open loop, right? So like everybody's just kind of seeing your content. And the amount of like disgruntled men that have commented on my reels that I am like, you know, all kinds of names in the book, which it's funny because like, I'm like, okay, it's from a book, but obviously you can't fucking read the description that says it's a book. So I wouldn't expect you to know, like, so it does get a little rough posting content sometimes, but that that's why the reason why I would want the community at large to change because they can kind of help, you know, alleviate some of that, like, you know, stress and discourse because you're going to get it outside of the community. So like, I think it's just, we need to take care of each other. And, and if you don't like it, you can just keep scrolling. It's really that easy. Mm -hmm. That is get off my soapbox. (laughs) That would be like a really good, like bio. Like if you don't like it, just keep scrolling. Exactly. Easy. Let's wrap up. So we have our charity of the month, which is 826 Valencia Street, which provides like writing tutors and writing skills for underfunded communities. They originated in California and San Francisco, but they actually are all over the country now and they have different chapters in different states, which is really cool. Join our group on Facebook, the HGA Book Club for our giveaway, which we're capping at 100 members. So make sure you get in before then. We're doing a Kindle, Kindle Unlimited subscription, Audible subscription, all that good stuff. I have a book coming out called Stolen to Fight, and all the pre-orders are going to be donated to Rain. So though Eros kind of started this 
campaign for rain which is a hotline and services for survivors of SA and he kind of started this like campaign where all these other authors are joining in and pledging either a certain amount of proceeds or pre-orders or what have you for the month of March. So all my pre-orders are going to go towards rain and then also Eden House which is a um, residential program I used to work at in New Orleans for survivors of sex trafficking. Hey guys, I want to let you know that Stolen to Fight actually released early. So it came out yesterday on the 14th of March. It's available on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. And then since I released it early, which means the pre-orders ended early, I'm instead going to be donating all proceeds from March, including pre-orders, Kindle Unlimited page reads, and order royalties to Rain and Eden House. So the link will be below if you want to go read it. It's a really fun, dark historical romance with hot pirates and gladiators who have been compared to Jamie from Outlander. So I think that's the highest praise I'll ever get is comparing anything I write to Jamie. So again, all the links will be down below and all proceeds for the month of March, no matter how you decide to read it, will be donated. And... Megan, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? So I am at other world of my own on both TikTok and Instagram. And her stuff is so funny. You guys, not only do you get good book recs, but genuine laugh out louds. That is like my favorite compliment. (laughs) So funny. Anytime there's like a trending sound that somebody does and you're like, that was funny. Megan will do it and you're like that was funny <laughs> yes oh my god I'm gonna save this recording forever that's the best way to put it though summer that is absolutely the best way to put it <laughs> and I read Ruthless Creatures by JT Geisinger 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 Yes. And what did you rate it, Summer? Hit us with the rating. 10 out of 10. Potentially one of my new favorite books. All around, very, very good. Four out of five of Spice. I read Terms and Conditions, The Dreamland Billionaires Book 2 by Lauren Asher. It was an 8 out of 10 rating with a 2 out of 5 for Spice, but like a 5 out of 5 for Character Arc, which made up for the lack of Spice. I read the Filthy Rich American series. I think I might have said I rated it a 9 out of 10, but I am changing it to a 10 out of 10. And the Spice was a good 4 out of 5. I might have changed that too. So 10 out of 10, (laughs) 4 out of 5 Spice. Beautiful. Love it. Well, Megan, thank you again so, so much. This was so fun. We have almost hit two hours. (laughs) Clearly, time flies. And we'll see you guys next week. Toodles. Toodles. Bye. I read Ruthless Creatures by JT Gessinger. Gessinger. Anybody know how to pronounce her name? You are funny in person too. Yay. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm just like collecting all of this like funny compliments right now. And I'm going to be like riding a high for the rest of the night. <laughs> I mean, like oh Summer God. obviously cut this out, but like I was ready to just like take 
the like the whole computer room with me to go pee so that way I could like keep up with the conversation. But then I was like, no, like Kelsey, keep keep I'm some professionalism. We're already friends. I <laughs> with you. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't gonna like face it towards me. Like I was gonna face it away. I was gonna have some decency. But I was still like, I can just I can just blast the volume as I'm in the other room.